Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. There's nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust your picture. We are controlling the transmission. What's that, boy? We're in control? Hey, look! I can see my voice! (laughs) 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 Blip, 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 blip. This is my voice on TV. Dad, you're ruining the mood. Sorry. Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your host, Evan Goldstein. With me as always is the wonderful Karen Randazzo. This is my voice on TV. And the amazing Chris Randazzo. I wish, I wish I hadn't killed that fish. We here on this week's episode talk television. We are finishing up our 31 days of Halloween here on Geek Aid. This will be the final week. And we, as a group, chose The Simpsons. Season 6, Episode 6, Treehouse of Horror 5. But before we get into that, here's your weekly reminder that you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Hit us up. Let us know you're out there. We'd love to hear from you. So I haven't watched A Treehouse of Horror since last year. And this was, I didn't know which one this was before going into it. I'm glad it was this one. Just for the sheer line of... No, son, the Shinnin, do you want us to get sued? That's the only thing from Treehouse of Horror I have ever remembered. This was a good one. I enjoyed this one. I'm glad you enjoyed this one. How did you guys feel? I also enjoyed this one. <laughs> this is one of the more uh, iconic ones before, you know. They started to suck. I, that's that's true. I remember them being longer also, but maybe it's just me. I thought this was going to be an hour-long episode, but it, it wasn't. It was the regular 30 minutes. And and this episode includes the the Shining mock, um, the, the butterfly effect mock. And I don't know what they're mocking with the cannibalistic school, but that was, that was dark. Yeah, that was pretty dark. <laughs> like, everything else was okay. I mean, y- you expect, you like, fucking... Uh, I guess you could say there's a little ooter in all of us. <laughs> you could say that we cooked... A- Wait, don't say that. <laughs> we cooked ooter, and we're just... And we're eating him right now. Um, I did like the through line of um, the guy... The, the, what, Willie. Willie. Yeah, I can't remember. It's like... Ah, I'm bad at this. <laughs> constantly getting axes in the back. Oh, and little Maggie with the axe, and then the this disturbing voice coming yeah. out of her face. <laughs> James Earl Jones' voice was... This was... Like, I remember when, when The Simpsons was... Like, the Treehouse of Heart, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it is not anymore. It's a shame because it, it has lost... I don't know if it's lost a step. I really haven't watched any of The Simpsons, never mind the specials, in a, in a very long time. This this was funny, and for what it was, it was pretty goddamn scary, especially at the end. That, whew, 
cannibalistic school was off-putting. I just I this is this is the Simpsons I want to remember. I don't Yeah, this was you know this was Simpsons at their prime, man. This was they were really on the ball at this point. Some very, very solid stuff. Um Marge doing her introduction, which was weird. Like I I, I feel like th- that something like that happens every Treehouse of Horror, but I could be mistaken. <laughs> she does that weird intro where the government says that they can't air the treehouse of horror because it's too horrific yeah i don't think that's an every episode thing but i do think it's a frequent thing so it is classic simpsons um the the time traveling toaster being (laughs) which is that's one of the best things i've ever seen on uh, it's one of the best uh, i absolutely adore that bit that whole bit was just fantastic (laughs) where my favorite part of that bit was when he goes back in time with the baseball bat and he's like, I'm going to touch everything and I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> Tell me, what of donuts? <laughs> oh, look, it's raining. I could have done without, uh, like if I could pick and choose and make my own Treehouse of Horror episode, I would have picked these ones. I would have picked uh, the Shinning and the... Um, the time and punishment uh i would have switched out nightmare cafeteria for uh the the raven okay because i think that's my favorite treehouse of horror (laughs) oh that was a good one that you know it's weird because like they all sort of blend together like i've seen them all Mm -hmm. but i don't remember when or you know i fondly remember them and Watching this, you know, in its entirety going, wow, this was this was Simpsons firing on all cylinders because like just their take on The Shining when, you know, he goes, David Letterman. Yeah, this is blah, 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 blah. blah, And this is 60 minutes. Ah, (laughs) I'm grandpa. When when she says, you know, you know, no TV and no beer. Makes Homer, Make Homer blah, 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 blah. She goes, go a little crazy. Do you like it? I just think it needs a name. I was thinking no TV and no mirror make go Homer something, something. <laughs> go crazy. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> and then for like five minutes, he's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then he scares the crap out of himself in the mirror and falls down the stairs. And that's a staple in our house is when somebody says, go crazy to Chris, he goes, don't mind if I do. Like, this is this is the Simpsons that, that made made them what they are. Like, I, like, you don't get the same reaction nowadays from the Simpsons current that this, yeah, this got back season in the day. Six? Like, yeah, this is season six was still like really prime Simpsons right there. And and it's a shame because like this used to be like the cutting edge of humor and now like it's like, oh, the Simpsons, that's sad. And that's and that is sad. Because like going back and watching these episodes or, or this time frame of The Simpsons showed what the show really was. It was it was a good show. I is is it because it's been on for 30 seasons yes has it run its course yes (laughs) nothing can be good for 30 seasons doctor who and its original run only lasted 26 that's true that's true 
Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a show like the closest thing I think you could possibly get to something like that is a show like like Law and Order because there's no through line of characters. There's it's just you know mm-hmm. something like the Twilight Zone. Anything that's an anthology type of thing you can do that you know as long as you have original stories to tell. But I mean. There's only so many things that can happen to individuals that are at this specific points in their lives, and the Simpsons don't age. It's just like it's true because she, Marge, actually yells at the kids. You're like eight and ten now. I got, I can't fight your battles for you anymore. Like they've been eight and ten for thirty years. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's it is it is a a sad parody of itself that the that Fox just will not let die. Uh, it's just the perfect example of uh, of American television just being American television, just and well, not knowing when to quit. Yeah, it's making money. Keep it going, you know. But I mean, is it making seen, money? Yeah, it's still it's not making you know Simpsons money from back in the day, but it's still profitable, which is the only reason it's still on. Uh-huh. People still watch the show. It still you know sells ads and merchandise. It's still the Simpsons. So they're still making Family Guy episodes, too, as far as I know. They just keep making them as long as enough people watch it to make it profitable. And it's not like, which is crazy to think, you know, to think that they're making that much ad revenue off of it. Because the, the, the voice actors all have just, at this point, asked for completely absurd salaries. And Fox is just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Tank, the Simpsons makes enough money. We can cover it. Go for it. That's absolute insanity. And it it's... I. This show should have ended so long ago. Yeah, there's there's an argument for, you know, ending or fading away. And this isn't fading away. It's not wrapping up. It's not, you know, it doesn't have, you know, ties that it needs to wrap up. It This could stop at any time. And they just... You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And that's the truth. Yeah, like nobody's sitting around going, gee, I wonder where Maggie's going to go to college. (laughs) Nobody, no. This is not the kind of thing that, like, people are wondering about. So I am actually doing a little bit of research as we are are, you know, chatting. The ABC talker, ba-ba-ba. Well, the CW Sundays comes down a bit from its premiere. The annual Treehouse of Heart episode of The Simpsons was down year to year in Sunday's rating. Uh, the Simpsons posted a 1.3 rating among adults 18 to 49 for the 29th Treehouse of Horror. It has steadily dropped year after year after year. And... Well, the minute Fox doesn't think it's tr- profitable anymore, that's when The Simpsons will finally end. Do you, is there an out... Like, okay, so out of curiosity, there was, like, um, an outcry for, like, The Walking Dead, if Daryl dies, we we riot kind of mm-hmm. thing. Is there an outcry to keep The Simpsons going? I don't think so. Don't think so. <laughs> like, are there people saying, if they cut The Simpsons, I'm, you know, I'm banning Fox from my house no, I don't like. There is. I don't even know any diehard Simpsons fans that would think that. <laughs> I think that it's a. Um, it's just easy for them to make. Like the the voice actors don't have to work that hard. They know the characters already, and all they have to do is, you know, come and report, record their part, which should be pretty easy for them at this point. And then, the animation is done on computer. It's I mean, yeah, it's such a known quantity. Like, yeah. there's. 
I get, very little that could go wrong. The only, the only uh, hard part is the writing, and they seem to have given that up. So, <laughs> I haven't. I, I don't. When was the last time you watched a current episode of The Simpsons? Oh God, I don't even know. Long, long time. It's been. It's been a very, very long time. I, I'm. I, you know, watching Disenchantment made me think. Well, if they're doing this here, maybe there is something to be said for checking out The Simpsons again. And I'm afraid to <laughs> because of that fondness I have of it from, you know, well, there, there's zero connectivity between disenchantment and the Simpsons. I'm not, I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I'm, it's, I'm not saying like story wise or character. No, I mean, like n- there is zero uh, talent connectivity between those two shows. Every single person that made the Simpsons what it was is no longer part of that show with the exception of the voice actors that like, there is no finger like Matt Groening's not in there like coming up with episode ideas or anything for it. It's just this, you know, Simpsons factory that's been farting that stuff out. That's a shame. I, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sniff that. <laughs> okay, that that I guess that makes sense. That's why they headed over to Netflix to do their, you know, their take. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a shame to see it go this way. It truly is. I mean, but hey, back when it was great, it was, it gr- was great. It was great. Like funny, yeah, funny this stuff. Yeah, kind of this confirms that like we're not imagining it. There was a time when this was good, right? And when it was good, it was really, really good. There was, and it still holds up pretty darn well. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to say like there wasn't a missed beat. There wasn't an like, ooh, that that doesn't hold up. Like this whole episode, like could have played today, and. Still would have been fine, as if it was yeah, current. Still and pretty timeless. So, I mean, I guess the David Letterman joke is a little uh, dated. But, I guess, yes, you know. but it's still it was the it was also playing with in the realm of The Shining, which is like if you know The Shining and you see where this stuff is coming from, yeah, okay, I get it. You got to have some sort of historical reference, but outside of that, it wasn't. It was mm, timeless. Blood usually gets off on the second floor. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, did you did you whilst locking the front door did you lock the back door like that was funny because it took them three to four days to get there. That and Marge kept asking him like when they were almost there. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have thought about that just a few minutes beforehand. I mean, all in all, I enjoyed this episode. It was scary. It was you know scary for what it is i mean it's the simpsons yeah. but by simpsons standards by simpsons standards yes and it was funny and it it actually made me think about watching current simpsons i probably won't do it just to keep my you know fondness alive but that's what that's what older sh- episodes of a show should do it should make you want it want to watch it again and for me this did it you're darn tootin so I think that was a good pick, good wrap up for for thirty one days of Halloween. Uh, it, it, I guess, I guess we'll make that an event every year. We'll watch, and then, you know, once we get into like Treehouse of Horrors, like twenty seven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually I wrote about this one for I think our first thirty one days of Halloween. I was trying to find it on the on the website because uh, I know I wrote a thing about it. About this episode in particular or about... About this specific episode. I think um, 
It's like rated one of the best. Like if you 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 know you yeah Google. October second two thousand fifteen I wrote about Simpsons Treehouse of Horror five, <laughs> uh, and how it was just one of my all time favorite uh, favorite episodes. Also, um, last year uh yeah last year's uh thirty one days of Halloween Dan Ryan of the Stone Age Gamer podcast fame did a top ten best Treehouse of Horror segments ever, and uh, number one he voted as the shitting. <laughs> There you go. Like this time and punishment this was the was right number one. three. Nightmare Cafeteria was number four. So yeah, it was a So all three all of, of the... these skits fell into his top ten? And it was top five. Even. Ooh, nice. Yeah. I mean the only it was one was a shinning, then two was Citizen Kang from uh Treehouse of Horror Seven. Which is then, good. Yeah, that's a good one. And then you got Time and Punishment, which is number three, and Nightmare Cafeteria number four. Oh. Bart Simpson's Dracula was number five. That was a great one. A Clockwork Yellow. Ooh, I'm, sh- uh, I'm kind of surprised that wasn't higher on his list. He is a fan of the clockwork. He is. Oh, The Places You'll Doe. Clown Without Pity. Oh, Clown Without Pity is a great one. Oh, God, Homer 3, the one where Homer goes into 3D. <laughs> There's a CG animated bit. <laughs> I'm somewhere where I've never been. No, I'm somewhere where I don't know where I am. That's it. <laughs> And the Raven, he ra- he rated as number ten. Oh come on, Dan! Hey, there's a lot out there. I'm kind of shocked that he he agreed with us on most of them. It is Dan, you know. It is Dan. He he does tend to disagree just for the sake of disagreeing. Yeah, just to spite me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're mortal enemies. Forever Indeed. mortal enemies. All right, good times. Nice to catch up with the Simpsons every once in a while. Um, let's take a quick break. Uh, When we get back, we're going to talk some news. Stay tuned. Sometimes art just sticks with you. It might be the colors chosen by the artist, the lighting they use, or even the materials they work with that have an impact on us. GeekAid's Angie Fernot takes us on a tour of some of her favorite horror artists and explains why their work is so affecting. From names you probably heard, like H.R. Geiger, to art you probably recognize like Stephen Gamble's haunting illustrations from the original publication of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, to some artists whose work you may never have seen or heard of. There's something for everyone. Don't miss 10 Artists Who Will Haunt Your Dreams, located in the Think Tank. It seems that not a year goes by here at Geekade without somebody mentioning what is affectionately referred to as the worst wrestling pay-per-view of all time, and this year, Alex Watley carries the torch to give us the rundown of his experience with WCW's Halloween Havoc. What was a young Alex doing when it all went down? How much jolt and Pepsi is a lethal dose? Has this cursed event become any easier to watch with age? Discover the answers to these burning questions and more in Halloween Havoc 1998, 20 years later. Located in the Think Tank. If you're looking for non-Halloween content this month, don't worry, I have your back. My Doctor Who recap series, Time and Relative Dimension and Spoilers, has returned for its third season. I've got lots to say about the new TARDIS, the opening credits sequence and theme tune, the companions, and 13 herself. Oh yeah, and some stuff about the episodes too. If you just can't get enough of me going on about Doctor Who on this podcast, check out Time and Relative Dimension in Spoilers, new each Tuesday. You could catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more right now at geekade.com. And we're back. Thank you so much for checking out our commercials. It's time to talk some news. First up from Hollywood Reporter. 
Uh, Chandra Rhymes on her Netflix deal. I am the highest paid showrunner in television. Now, Karen, um, you posted up this one, correct? Yes, you did. Um, this is this article is pretty dense. Um, it's actually an amazing article, and and like the story that is told here about uh, women empowerment is quite moving. Um, it it also you know like that that little I don't know title of the article is an amazing feat because it also goes on to to discuss some of the other showrunners that have been picked up via Netflix and their five-year deals which are in the hundreds of millions if like this is a big deal mm-hmm. it's actually quite amazing can I, I like had like tell me your thoughts um well I think it's great um not just that Netflix is uh, paying her this much. I mean, I think this goes back to a story we talked about a little while ago where um, companies are spending significant amounts of money on experienced showrunners. Yeah, it was uh, like hedging their bets kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've, uh, clearly that's why these people are getting these kinds of deals. But I just think it's great that um, Shonda Rhimes is, be able, is able to... Um, speak up about this distinction that she has of being the highest paid because um, she goes on to talk it you know in this speech that she made at this event about it and it just seems like um, if if she were a man and she were the highest paid whatever whatever then it wouldn't be a problem for her to talk about it but when women or reach these kinds of accomplishments, they tend to downplay them so that they don't get uh, criticized for, uh, you know, I don't know, thinking too much of themselves. Which she actually admits to doing mm-hmm. because she openly admits to saying that she let the the like the news report her salary incorrectly. Like yeah, they said a number. Than it was. Yep, they said a number and it was wrong, but she let um, it go. And uh, I guess one. Uh, one of the most important things about her coming out and saying this about herself is that it kind of clears the way for other people to say, oh, you know, to to say similar things or, mm-hmm. you know, to, to emulate her in her pride in her own accomplishments. What I liked best about this article is is the theme of it about the women helping women or mm-hmm. women supporting other women. Like there was I, I can't remember the exact wording of it, but it was like make make your circle larger those mm-hmm. people that are part of your group in, include more of them more more types more colors more races more cre- like whatever just make make everybody supporting each other and especially women supporting women and we're going to be okay mm-hmm. and that's a that's a great idea yes <laughs> so so i mean this was what the L, um, L, L magazine's magazine. woman women in Hollywood celebration. I didn't even know this was a thing. So, God. yeah, the media has a lot of various celebrations that aren't all <laughs> super highly publicized. So this was great. You should you know for those listening, take a look at read the whole article. It's really well done and it's uplifting. It's it's not it's 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 actually moving. So. Um, we're going to continue talking about Netflix because apparently they're throwing money out left and right. Um, 
from Variety.com, more than 80 million subscribers watched Netflix's rom-coms this summer. I was not one of them. <laughs> okay. Really? Not that I am against a good rom-com, um, but this is specifically about their their original content. Like they made a couple, uh, Summer of Love was what, it the whole theme, like it was the theme of it. Um, to All the Boys I've Loved Before um, is the most viewed original film with, with strong repeat viewings. So that's, that's interesting because uh, Netflix doesn't give out data, doesn't give out metadata about their, their numbers. And it was, I'm pretty sure it was in this, yeah, it's within this article. The way you can tell how many people watched it, sort of, is by Instagram follower bump up. (laughs) And just to see, like, it's a bar graph. And it was like Millie Bobby Brown, she went from nothing to like 17.6 million followers on on Instagram. Mm-hmm. that's a lot of followers overnight like that's that's ridiculous i should it's not necessarily overnight but from before to after the launch of their respective shows um it is i like i i know netflix is strong with their original content via like their episodical content um mm-hmm. i i can't think of any of their movies that I've watched that I was like, wow, that was really, really good. I want to watch it again. I feel I not one. So I did watch uh, to all the boys, and, uh, the movie that they mentioned in here, which is based on a, a pretty popular YA novel. Okay. Um, and it was, it was quite well done. I was a little annoyed at the adaptation, but it's like a book versus movie nerd thing. That, oh, I gotcha. Like, whatever nitpicks. <laughs> So, um, but, but on its own merit, it, it was a well done thing. Okay. Um, Netflix reported better than expected earnings Tuesday, surprising Wall Street with the addition of close to 7 million paying subscribers, as well as 4.0 billion in revenue. That damn thing is a juggernaut. Sweet Jesus, it won't stop. And I mean, if, they're, if they are turning it back into content, more power to them because that's the that's the reason you pay for the service is to right. get good quality content not just you know reruns of, 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 of old television shows um let's 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 all right so let's talk about some things in the marvel universe the netflix marvel universe um first up from cbr.com Daredevil season three, they're they're gonna they're gonna. I don't want to. All right, the, Daredevil season three will reinvent Karen Page and reveal her origin story. That's interesting. Um, as a tertiary character, I didn't think she was the strongest. Um, I felt that like last season they were trying really hard to make her important and sort of missed the bullseye. I think she's a great character. I don't think they wrote her particularly well that, in season two. And that's and that that's better said. Thank you. Um what I do like about this article is is how she is very much the 
of of the mindset that I want my backstory to be something that really went bad or something that she did bad that she is making an atonement for. And that is completely different than the standard damsel-like situation Mm -hmm. where something bad happened to her and now she is living past it kind of thing. Yeah. Which is like I'm trying to think of any other character in the Marvel Netflix Marvel Universe that (coughs) is that way. It's always, you know, Jessica Jones. This happened to her. She's living through it kind of thing. Like, uh, what's her name? Rosario Dawson. Claire. Claire. She is thrown into this situation. And, I mean, granted, both of those characters are well written, but it's this is happening to her, and she's making, she's doing what she needs to do to get by. Uh, I'm I'm really interested to see what they do with this character. I, I always liked her. I just felt that they sort of, you know, drop the ball on her, her. She is kind of a, I don't know, not like a wet rag, but yeah, you know, there's not I, a lot. I, there wasn't a lot there. It, it it's to, to even say that she was a wet rag, like there wasn't enough there. And hopefully, like the tertiary characters in Daredevil are really good. And I think that she was pretty interesting in season one, where you know by the end of it, she went, you know, she shot that dude right at the end mm-hmm. of the season, like. She was damaged goods, clearly, and I thought she was really interesting to watch. But season two of Daredevil, it had its fair share of problems. For all the the high points that it hit, it also had some, you know, it didn't really know what to do with everybody. Um, Electra Mm -hmm. (laughs) was just... I'm looking at you, Electra. And again, again, nothing against the actress or her performance. It was great. It was just that, I don't know, I don't feel like any of the Electra stuff has worked in this um, Netflix Marvel universe i mean the really centering so much of uh defenders around her was just like those were some of my least favorite bits and defenders you mm. know besides iron fist <laughs> <laughs> well that is a, a very nice segue with us we discussed it last week that they canceled iron fist so let's run down a couple of the kind of surprising to me choices that netflix is making um netflix has canceled uh, luke cage um, there will I be mean, no... look, this had better be working towards a Heroes for Hire, although what's-his-face Mike Coulter's Twitter seems to... He seems to think that he's done with the character. Um, unless it's a ploy. Like, that yeah, would be impressive. Wow, that would be good. That would be good. But, I mean, come on now. What What the hell? Netflix? Like, what the hell? <laughs> is But is this not just a way for them to be able to, for Disney to do whatever it wants with these Marvel properties once it gets its streaming service up? That is, in theory, one theory, yes. But Netflix has constantly said, no, no, they're ours. We're doing what we want with them. So there's... I, I there's, just don't get it. Yeah, I don't get this one at all. It doesn't. It doesn't really make sense unless they have a secretive endgame, like Heroes for Hire, or something else, like a buddy cop show with Luke Cage and Iron Fist. I'm okay with that. Give me a season or two of that. Like, but they're not. They're not teasing anything. This is just gone. And Iron Fist did much better this season than last Luke Cage did slightly slightly less than the season before but it was still one of the better performing shows 
and they they left both of them on just straight up cliffhangers. Yes, like they resolved nothing. Correct, and that's which, the biggest kick in the teeth. Which brings me to my next article um, from the Refinery Twenty Nine dot com. Um, Netflix also canceled Orange Is the New Black. I don't know that canceled is the right word. I mean, I didn't read They're, this article, but they are ending the se- the series next season. Okay. They're letting they're giving them the season to wrap shit up and apparently it's going to tie everything up. Um the the woman who the show is about and it's based on a memoir of sorts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she does get out of jail. Yeah. So I think it's just caught up to current. So it Yeah, could... it's more of a natural ending than a like, oh, this is being unjustly canceled. This is just like, no, it's kind of run its course and we're done. Yeah, what and is this like season seven? Season seven. seven yeah, that's be. I think that's it. We were just talking earlier about shows going on too long. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they I mean, I not to say that I didn't enjoy the last season because I really did. I think it was great, but I also think it's we're coming up on I think it's time. I, I I do, and I don't. I don't think this is one of those things. Like Karen said, it's not something that I think is being unjustly canceled. This isn't a Luke Cage and Iron Fist type of situation. This is like okay, let's. And the let's reason move I'm on. segueing to that is because the fact that they're getting the last season to wrap things up, which <sighs> Iron Fist and Luke Cage are not. That leads me to believe that there is something else. A heroes for hire kind of situation that they will wrap up these storylines in some way shape or form because they are cliffhangers and they are making money on these shows maybe not as much as they want to but you know still the fact that they fixed iron fist like that like come on that one that one baffles me and it annoys me that it baffles me because like I hated Iron Fist more than anybody in the world, and now I'm mad that it's canceled. Like this is just really—they're playing tiddlywinks with my heart. <laughs> like they went through the trouble of fixing it. Like, yeah, and they did a good job of fixing it. Like that's, see, that's why it's that's what's leading me down the path of going. There's something else. They're, they're just not telling us something, and we'll see. I mean, they're not canceling. Who knows if they're going to cancel Daredevil? Daredevil just released. I think, well, yeah, and we haven't heard anything about Jessica Jones yet. So nope. Uh, next week they could be like, ah, never mind. We're not getting a new season of Jessica Jones. Later, peace. We're done with Marvel. <laughs> like, who? But Netflix can do that. Like they are making room for content that has is okay. Is, can- there's only so much television that we can watch first and foremost, Mm -hmm. but they are... I feel like if they are making these moves, it's to make room for something. More rom-coms. They're getting rid of all their dark, gritty stuff, and just it's going to be 24-7 rom-coms, you guys. There you go. And And you know what? I'm on board. Making room for for stuff that's 100% theirs, you know? At the end of the day, like they may own these shows, but they still license them from Marvel and Disney, Mm -hmm. so... Like, and that brings me to my next article, Disenchantment, which is their show, gets another two seasons. So, so technically it's, it has a total, it 
it had two orders of 20, which is a, enough for four seasons because they're doing 10 episode seasons. But they had good response to it. It's theirs. I, I mean, it didn't hit with me, but I, you know, you guys watched more of it than I did. You said you, you enjoyed it. I, like, it makes sense for them to back this more than something that they're licensing out. No matter how much I love their Marvel stuff, this just financially makes more sense. So we're getting another... We're getting a total of four seasons. We're getting 30 more episodes of the animated disenchantment. Um, how do you, Out of curiosity, do you guys feel it's deserving? I don't know about deserving, but I'm interested. I, I said I would keep watching this if there were more of it. Yeah, I mean... It was. They left it in an interesting place. Yeah, like the last two episodes were like, "Wow, this got really good really fast." Well, and at that point, they had the first order was for twenty, so you were getting at least a season two. So now we'll see what happens with that, but it it doesn't matter. We're the order has been placed. They're 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 gonna happen. So yeah, look, this show has the potential to be pretty great. I've, it righted itself pretty well by the end of the first season, so we'll see where it goes from here. I'll watch season two, and if I like season two enough, I'll watch season three. Okay, sounds good. All right, let's scroll up. Let's 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 do our our, our Doctor Who hour. <laughs> um, I wasn't kidding in the commercials. Yeah, like I'll never I'll never shut up about this show and anything related to it. <laughs> So Jodie Whittaker's arrival as the 13th Doctor gives Doctor Who its highest series launch ever. This is coming from uh, bbc.co.uk. Um, that's that's big. Heck yeah, it is. That's it's ever, since. So it's the. Okay, so let me let me read that again. Who its highest series launch ever since the relaunch of Doctor Who? Mm-hmm. So. When Doctor Who came back, after however many years, it hit big. Then it went, and now it hit bigger, or like just shy of it. If I think, I th- was it, they hit 10.9 million viewers, and I think the, was it the original 10.8 or something like that? It, it It's very, very close. Um, What was interesting is that they have this... With Barb's new four-screen measurements, which includes viewing through a TV screen as well as non-TV online devices, episode one, episode one of BBC's BBC One's Doctor Who received a four-screen consolidated figure of 10.9 million viewers. That's fantastic. It's a lot of viewers, and you know what? You know what that means. More. All those people out there. All those dopes, for lack of a better word, who were saying that casting a woman was going to ruin the show, can eat my shorts. (laughs) Wow. Language, Karen. Language. (laughs) Um, All right. You're no Steve Rogers. (laughs) It's I I'm not surprised at all by this news. Like it's not just like and I mean, this is figures for the first episode right um but it's not just that it's like everybody wants to check out a new woman doctor it's so good 
Yeah. I, you know, we haven't had much time to talk about the show yet on, on the podcast, but it's so good. They're, it's really more fun than Doctor Who has been in a long time. They're doing right by Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Not just a woman Doctor Who, not whatever you... My, they are doing right by... They're doing good Doctor Who. Exactly. They're not moffeting all over the place. They're making good television. It's it's good stuff. Good, good stuff. Um, let's move on to the next one. This one comes from Vulture.com. Um, more, it's a, it's an interview with the creator of the, the, the en- intro theme. Mm-hmm. And we discussed this previously. This is a little bit more <laughs> detailed, more in depth. Um, from what I'm gathering from this interview, he took it very, very seriously. And at points he sort of, you know, he, he wanted to test the water, see how far he could go and you know, what they were allowing him to do. And all in all, he got to do what he wanted to do. And you got, you got, you know, the, the theme that we are now listening to on a weekly basis. Anything else? Which is also (laughs) very, very good. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you are interested in reading me going on at length about the theme tune and the opening title sequence, read the uh, second installment of my recap, Doctor Who recaps. Uh, for Ghost Monument, because that's that's the episode that first featured the the proper credit sequence. So that's where I talked about it, and I talked about it a lot. And uh, I don't know, it's just interesting and pretty cool. And this article is is a nice backstory to it. Nice. I like that he says uh, spoke with his about his creative process, the other Who themes he worked on that didn't make the cut, and the joy of the theremin. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget the name of that instrument. I call it the hand wavy instrument, but I, I, it's it's nice to see that the theremin is getting the credit it deserves. I used to, I, I have a friend who uh, used to play theremin in a band with Chris. Yeah, I, I've I've seen that performance. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird to see someone play the theremin. It doesn't look like they're doing anything. They're just waving a lot. <laughs> Well, she also danced. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, let's move on to uh, EW.com. Sesame Street legend Carol Spinney retires from Big Bird Oscar the Gr- and his Oscar the Grouch roles. Um, this was heartwarming and touching. Uh, the man who's been doing Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch for nearly 50 years is retiring um, from doing the puppetry work. But he is going to continue his role with, uh, like, there's a, um, I, I, I don't know, it's like they go around Sesame Street, th- there's an organization for, you know, and they go around, it's a non not for profit type thing where they go around just helping out with educational programming and whatnot. That's like, that's, it's amazing what they're, what they do for like just the goodness of doing something good. Good on him. 50 years. Jeezy, crazy. That's a long time doing something. <sighs> yes. Um, and it seems like he's like, I don't know, one of the sweetest. <laughs> yeah. He seems like a really sweet dude. Yeah. Um, even as I step down from my roles, I feel I will always be Big Bird and even Oscar once in a while. They have given me great joy 
led me to my true calling and my wonderful wife and created a lifetime of memories that I will cherish forever. That's beautiful. Like that's, that's what you want to know is behind the puppetry of Sesame Street. Good, solid, decent human beings doing things the right way for the right reasons. All right. I am now scrolling back and forth. Let's talk about Freeform Party of Five reboot. Because we're just going to wrap up everything with the Arrowverse. Um, from Variety.com. I didn't know that this was a thing, but Freeform is doing a Party of Five reboot. Um, it's interesting. Their take on it. Um, my recollection of Party of Five was uh, five kids whose parents die in a car accident are now forced to take care of themselves. Um, this Party of Five reboot is about a Mexican family whose parents get deported back to Mexico. Yeah, you don't remember when we talked about this on the show before? I don't. I'm, yeah, we are talking about how, okay... But why is this party of five? That's okay. So then that's my same feeling. Yeah. And like, okay. That sounds like a good premise for a freeform TV show. Why is this party of five? Yeah. I, uh, my one. What about this makes this party of five? I don't think any of the uh, Mexican characters is going to be named Bailey. That's that's true. That would be a weird Mexican name. So they're not going to rename. They're probably not going to reuse any of the same character names. They might use some of the same character types, but the situation is totally different. So just call it something else. The big thing about Party of Five was that their parental role models were gone. They were they they were off the planet because they were dead. The um the this group of kids, I don't the the two people that they have pictured here are not children, so I'm just gonna use that term loosely. Their parents are a phone call away. Yes, it's a horrible situation that they find themselves in. But they're not dead. Yeah, they can still communicate with them in some way, shape, or form. And that was the that was the, the crux of Party of Five, is that they had to figure this shit out on their own. I don't... So, I still have the same questions as we I guess we did before. Why is this Party of Five? Outside of five people we'll see freeform's trying i guess we'll see how it turns out so let's wrap this up with a shit ton of our arrowverse talk all right so i gotta scroll a little bit here uh, let's start with this one um I like starting with this one, and then we're immediately going to jump to the second one, which is posted in the feed as not news. Um, Arrowverse crossover poster has Stephen Amell and Grant Gustin switching roles, um, which means Grant is in the Arrow costume and Stephen is in the Flash costume. I feel that in the beginning of the Flash series, or like when he started, didn't he don... The arrow costume to so like they could both be in the same place at the same time. Was that him? Did he do that? I could have sworn that happened. I know somebody did it. I can't remember if it was Barry or not. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. So sure. Elseworlds. Elseworlds, which is a huge DC thing, um, was singled 
it was a, a, a um, an event that happened out of continuity, so they could tell co- out of continuity stories, where they go to different universes or they do different things. And look, this is what happens to this type of Batman. And so, like, they are by using the title Elseworlds, they can do whatever the damn well they please, and it's okay. Um, s- side note. I think who post who put which one of you posted the 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 Twitter poster? Karen, nice. There's also a, a we're gonna I I wanted in our show notes. There's an Instagram picture of a mock of that poster with Stephen Amell as Supergirl, which I I would I yes think that would be interesting to see. And it it photo didn't it have also her photoshopped into his yeah but it's just she's wearing a hood and a domino mask he's got the long flowy hair he's obviously (laughs) got breasts so that's just funny and it's on Stephen Amell's Instagram saying good job whoever made this uh boss logic uh good job well done sir um so it seems that this crossover is going to introduce a number of possibilities. Um, they okay, so they're bringing on Batwoman. Um, they're introducing uh, Lois Lane. They're bringing back Superman, and apparently he's going to be in the black costume, which that was news to me. Um, so with all of this going around. There's also the possibility that they are developing a Superman TV show. Now, if it's the Arrowverse Superman, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that guy does a pretty good job. Because he does Superman. He doesn't do that dark, gritty shit that they do in what's-his-name's movies. Um it seem it makes sense as of everything being reported that they're they're putting more into the Superman universe with with Supergirl and apparently there's the possibility of them bringing on Lex and so which I'll note later um and on top of all of that like WB Studios has said you know what we're we're done with Superman like he's not pulling in box office numbers. He is not. He is not movie qual. He's not. He's not well, doing well in the movies, which is a shame that they're blaming Superman for that. Because it's not Superman. It's, no, it's the people writing for Superman. Like they're not putting Superman on the screen. They're putting this dark, gritty version of a guy that has that's really strong and could fly. So if they're going to give the Superman character a shot on the small screen, I'll watch it. It's it makes sense. They're just make CW all DC properties and we'll just watch it every day out of the week. They it's it seems like every time he was on um Supergirl last season, they did well. So Yeah, I like that guy. He does he does a good job. Um, as I was reading that article that came from fandomwire.com, there was s- some other news articles popped up. And I'm a huge Smallville fan. 
and then someone did like this artist representation of Tom Welling as the new Lex because he has openly said, hey, I will gladly play Lex Luthor if they offer it to me, which Tom Welling is a guy who played Superman on Smallville. I think that would be a hysterical. Just, I would just like to see that happen. Then as I was reading that article, there was a, a, a little snippet about um, Jensen Ackles apparently uh-huh. visited the uh, one of the uh, the sets and they don't they're not saying why they say it's because he's a fan um, but I don't think that he would do that that doesn't make sense uh, so the rumor started filtering about that he would be playing Batman I for my supernatural world and my CW worlds to collide like that would be like I would I could stop watching television <laughs> I'd be done so uh, you're on board with this idea I am very Batman. much on board the unfor- okay I couldn't tell the way you, oh, were, yeah. you wrote that comment I was like wait does he not want this to happen because <laughs> I think it would be awesome yeah um, the problem is is that uh, Stephen Amell is saying no he is not playing Batman and I feel like it's in wording like he is not playing Batman. He's not playing Batman. But he could be playing <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Or, you know, I want it to be like that. Um, um, I enjoyed that uh, Stephen Amell said that the reason that that he came to the set was because he is Grant Gustin's number two fan and the number one fan is Stephen Amell. That's it. Like, they're adorable. <laughs> they're so cute. They're, like, all of them. They're just, they, ugh. So cute. Um, but like, yes, but yes, I think he, (laughs) I mean, my love of Jensen Ackles aside, I think he'd make a great fucking Batman, especially in this universe. Like he doesn't have to be suave and debonair. Like they, they always make Bruce Wayne. Like he can be like grittier like he could rough on around the yeah. edges. Like they could do that in this universe. And he's and also that's... young enough. He's in the right age bracket cuz he and Superman are in in you know in the mm-hmm. comic world. They're the same age. Everybody else around him's slightly younger. So And I... that's the thing like the universe like not the CW universe but just like the universe we live in mm-hmm. needs to grant him a superhero role at some point you know he was this close to being in the MCU yeah and uh he would have been great he would have been a great hawkeye yeah uh, i mean i don't I, you know i what? don't know that i could say that i'd rather have seen him as captain america than chris evans no i, because I can't know nothing nothing will taint my love for chris evans but um but he would have been a great hawkeye and he would be a great batman he'd be a great superhero somebody fucking make this happen it's not hard <laughs> he's there he's willing phrasing to <laughs> boom. boom are we doing phrasing we're still doing phrasing right so here let's let, it's out in the universe let's just put a little little thoughts and prayers behind it let's 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 get jensen eccles into some sort of cape and cowl it's almost Halloween, so all you witches out there, work your magic. <laughs> I really want to see like an Instagram post of Jensen Eccles in like a really shitty Batman costume. 
<laughs> I think just that, like uh, the t-shirt with the six-pack printed on it yes and the plastic mask that they sold in like mm-hmm. the 80s i would like that so all right there it is people that's your news for the week chris you still with us nope i went home all right can oh, you wait, do me a favor go find time. chris and ask him for the spiel Hey, Chris, do you have a spiel? Oh, I don't know. Let me see if I do have a spiel. Does it go something like you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook, both the Geekade page and the This Week's Episode page. Find us on Instagram at Geekade. Subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content. And follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade or follow this show specifically at Webcast. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K-R-I-S. Karen, where can people find you? Shoot underscore the underscore moon. And Evan, where can people find you? Geekade underscore Evan. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed here tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher, where if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com for more fresh original content. Back to you, Evan. Thank you so much, sir. All right, I am going to make my pick because it is my my week to choose. Um, I guess we will discuss because whether... We do a show next week or not, or we hold off because I think I want Karen involved in this because I am picking The Rookie Season 1, Episode 1, the pilot episode of Nathan Fillion's new show. Ooh. So. I'm like, The Rookie, and I'm thinking of the baseball movie with no, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> I'm no. like, that was a good movie, but that's not right for this podcast. <laughs> no, it's not. So um, we will discuss. It's either going to be next week or the following week because, uh, you know. Some of us have other things to do. It well, happens. I am taking a break from um, criticizing other people's performances to uh, make one of my own. So if you're in the South Jersey area and you uh, like live theater, feel free to come out to the Gateway Theater in Summers Point, New Jersey to see London Suite, uh, partially starring myself. Ooh, um, Fancy. Yeah, so Google Gateway Theater in Summers Point, New Jersey, if you really want to be there. <laughs> so that's so it. So I have a dress rehearsal next week, and I can't do the podcast. Sorry, guys. Oh, <laughs> it happens. We'll allow it. So that's it, peeps. Thank you so much for paying attention to our ramblings about television. From all of us here at this week's episode, I'm Evan. I'm Karen. I'm crazy. <laughs> Good night. I didn't have have anything. I see that. (laughs) And this concludes our broadcast day.